Hey everyone, welcome to To The Z To Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And this is a podcast. Wow, I got way off my game. Yeah, it's All been of a while. All of a sudden, uh-huh. um, like a week. It's been a week. Yeah. Um, we're a husband and wife couple. If this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. And we have four kids, ages 10, uh, 12 through 5. That would be red dye. Um, Over your legs. The, I'll get to that in a minute. It'll be a fun part of the story. Molly's looking at my legs here as we're sitting in the studio. Um, and we, Molly and I have been married for 14, 15 years. Almost 15. Almost 15. And we typically just turn this podcast into a conversation about life and godliness and parenting and kids and marriage and all the things. So reality podcasting, if you will. So that said, Molly, when I was... Um, spraying weeds at the commercial properties this morning one of the hose camp clamps for the hose that's went from the tank to the wand it's all pressurized with a little motor on it mm-hmm. exploded oh the hose exploded well the clamp blew off and so i was like crap and it's like spraying you know everywhere mostly on the side by side but i got some on my leg and my my hands and my like there's some on my nose and I'm probably going to die because it's... Because it's toxic yeah, chemicals, toxic, toxic, chemicals toxic weed-killing chemicals yeah. mixed with Spend enough toxic. time with that, I'm going to have a short life. Anyway, um, that's exactly... That's why my leg has pink splotches all over it. Red going down so, it. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, what else is going on, babe? Well... Ooh, ooh, ooh! I had six teeth extracted on Tuesday, but you knew that. Our listeners didn't know that, but you knew that. Yes, yes, that was exciting. Yes. It was very... For you, for me. You went and got a sandwich and read a book. Four of them were... I was actually... By the end of that night, because our church is doing Vacation Bible School this week, and it's from 6.30 to 8.30 every evening, Mm -hmm. and that was the third evening, and between getting up at 6 to drive to Bozeman, because JR was recommended to a dentist and oral surgeon in Bozeman, and likes her, the dentist enough that we're willing to drive two hours from where we are for dentist appointments and she's addressing some almost lifelong issues that JR has had that dentists have not uh, seen fit to address before so that's great but we got up at six in the morning I always get a little nervous when I hear the dog barking angrily upstairs while we're down here in the kids all his barks sound angry running around anyway we got up at six where our good friend sarah who was visiting in town uh god bless her came over and was supposed to sit here in the quiet until the kids slowly woke up which they usually do between 7 and 8 30 on summer mornings and instead they were all awake by the time we left the house at 6 30 and I had promised them sugar cereal for breakfast to pacify them for us leaving. And that's, it was an organic Golden Grams equivalent is what it was, in case you're wondering what my definition of sugar cereal is, because Sarah said that my definition of sugar cereal is different from hers. <laughs> but, um... What's your definition? Probably, like, Captain Crunch or and Lucky Kicks. Charms. I love Captain Crunch. I... Don't. I never did as a kid. Golden did. Grams. Captain Crunch was my jam. M- my grandma Sue, my mom's mom, always had Golden Grams in her cupboard. So Golden Grams are not only just flat out delicious anyway, they're very nostalgic for me. And then if you turn them into s'mores, ba- s'mores bars like Rice Krispie bars, they're fantastic. When I was uh, my first, when I was a freshman, I spent the first three years of high school Years one, every summer I'd, I'd be at a camp all summer long. The first two summers, uh, freshman and sophomore year, I think it was freshman and sophomore year, I was at um, a, an all girls horse camp that my dad's cousin ran, uh, Christian horse camp up in Washington. And um, I was one of two male staff members, maybe. Everyone else was girls. A guy's dream, you know. And my dad's cousin knew that and made fun of us, but. Um, anyway, the kitchen girls knew I loved Captain Crunch. And so like every Monday or whatever it was, I would show up for breakfast and they would have, instead of giving, letting me fill up just a regular bowl, they would actually fill up one of those big mixing bowls full oh of Captain gosh. Crunch for me. So bad for <laughs> I you. I would sit down, I'd sit down at the table and there it would be waiting for me, ready to go. And the girls would smile. Speaking of sugar cereal <laughs> and tooth problems, which are... 
undoubtedly related uh, for all sorts of time. reasons. Yeah, so JR was supposed to only have four teeth extracted. His bottom <laughs> wisdom teeth, which have been pushing up and down for the course of his Causing whole life. jaw Causing jaw pain, problems bite and problems, and tooth decay, actually, because the teeth are crunched together. And, and they, can't, they can't get in to clean anything. Eroding the enamel. So he's, now that the wisdom teeth are out, he's going to have braces and all sorts of excitement. The kids think it's hilarious that their dad's going to have braces. For and the first time in my life, though, my whole bottom row, nobody ever sees it, but it's always been kind of like, it's finally going to be, like, pretty. Hmm. I'm happy about that because it's really ugly. But the whole bottom row needs to be fixed anyway because all four teeth are erupting in the front. up and sh- and b- getting pushed backwards really, really bad. So it all needs yeah. to be fixed for a variety so of reasons. So once, and then he had two root canals, one of which the tooth was cracked and the other was abscessed and yeah, had been abscessed so. several times before. So those were both removed and then... Those the, are the four that were supposed to be removed, the lower wisdom and the molars and then... While, was, while we were there, she was telling me sh- I should probably have the uppers removed anyway. Because I said, well, what's the harm in leaving them in there? She said, well, we can't get in to clean them. Because they're just, they're, it's way too far back. And um, they've got no companion tooth on the bottom. So, and she's like, those two things combined, they're just going to end up inevitably causing you problems later on down hmm. the line. Interesting. So, uh, the, the oral surgeon said the same thing. Um, and he said, what's nice is if we do it now, I even have some leverage because he uses the molars <laughs> as leverage to pull. Blech. And like I said, they call it eruption, erupt the teeth. And then, the and then the two root canals were completely removed and the oral surgeon pushed yeah. for something the dentist wasn't going to, which was having an implant done and so he, he didn't she he he actually didn't push for it he had the same opinion that she did oh she said they both said if you miss them but you have to have if the bone graft even if i even might consider it i need to get a bone graft because if i don't put the bone graft in then the socket will close up and they can't so i they, never got this answer out of you because you weren't at all. verbal when yeah, i sorry. asked you where did the bone come from for the bone? The bone graft? came from human cadaver. Oh, so it's not your bones. No. They the other the other two options he didn't offer them. The other two options were um, a, a cow or a pig. And I would much rather have some other person's dead cell in my mouth than So a he cow just or pig. has dead people's bones sitting around his office to graft in it's kind of weird it's not like an actual it was it seemed more it's like, like bone chips it sounds it like it seemed like more like it was like a powdered yeah like a paste he, almost he in the written instructions that they sent home he said it's normal for pieces to mm-hmm. fall out while it's healing but if like too big of chunks fall out then you need to contact it seemed him. like a like a paste like he had a bunch of little bone chips. That he and also, you guys, we could It would have spend... been way more major surgery to take. I would love to have taken my own bone, but... That would have been nuts. That would have been nuts. The cool thing, though, is when he, they built um, little um, clot... Uh, uh, clot... I didn't want... Coag- like coagulated blood or yeah, prefabricated they, 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 clots? Yeah, they basically made a prefabricated clot out of my own blood. Because they so did they, a blood draw yeah, out of they his do arm. They do a blown draw, and that's what they build these clot supporter creator things to pack into uh, the sockets. Interesting. Which is super cool. That is super cool. That probably helps prevent dry sockets, which I had when I got my wisdom. Yeah, he said dry sockets really not an issue. Thirty at all. years ago. Yeah, Interesting. You don't really worry about dry socket anymore. Okay, so we could go on and on probably for the next hour about your medical issues. <laughs> But I will just say this also, you guys, he did it. When I had my wisdom teeth out, there was no question about doing it under anesthesia. So Come on in. The pause, awkward Come pause, in. was yeah. a girl looking at us. There's a, what do you want, Bubba? The baking powder. The baking powder. There's, it should be, oh, the, the bottom drawer where all the baking stuff is. Look for a plastic bag that says baking powder. She is a I'll finish my thought about you. I I was put out for my wisdom teeth uh, extractions. Jr. did it just under local anesthetic, which is great because he does horribly under anesthesia. And 
I think a lot of people don't even realize that that's an option. And they just turned on music of his choice, or he just let the dentist choose music and laid there for two and a half hours and listened to music and felt them wrenching around on his jaw, but in in a pressure way, not in a pain-filled way. But we didn't have to deal with the grogginess, which for JR is extreme. When he had his ACL done, and he had, he's been under anesthesia one other time since we've been married, it's hours and hours and hours of groggy, of incapacitating grogginess to the point where the ACL people, they're like, so you need to take him home now. We need this recovery bed. And I'm, I'm like, okay, put him in the vehicle. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. So anyway, uh, you can get your wisdom teeth done under local anesthesia or, you know, just uh, local. Yeah. Numbing. Um, they, he did say the stuff that they use in the, in the dental office is a little bit different than the deep, deep okay. sleep stuff. So, okay. but I said, let's just don't knock yeah, me out. Yeah. You don't get the anxiety. And it was, you know, anyway, it was so. like the first three were kind of interesting. Cause it, I mean, it didn't hurt. It was more just awkward sitting with your mouth, mouth open. But that said for, it was about two and a half hours. He, most of the time he wanted my mouth half closed. He's like, just close your mouth part way. Mm. Um, but I could feel the teeth kind of coming out. And there was almost, especially with um, the teeth that were problems, that had problem pain, it was almost like it it hurt or it itched, but it actually felt kind of good to have them like... Get that pain out. Get that. Like you could feel it's like, oh, it actually feels like... Actually and then nice. where the abscess was, did they rinse it out for a ton of time? No, they just rinsed it out for the normal amount of time for oh. everything because it kind of blew up as he was pulling it out. He's like, oh, yeah, that one's a mess. Um, but so the first three were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, they were fairly smooth and everything else. And then he got to the fractured upper molar on the other side and couldn't pull it out in one piece. And so they had to go and cut it. That was not fun Ugh. because, you know, you can't put in an earplug because you've got all this, all the structural, well, it's not structural. Yeah, you got bone induction reverberation for sound. Mm-hmm. So as he's grinding into your teeth, you're hearing a really loud noise in your ear. You're like, okay, come on, this is just obnoxious. And then he got to, he did my other lower, and by the fifth one, um, he had to, uh, he had to work that one. So I'm kind of like, okay, come on, hurry up now. And then by the, I was kind of over it by the fifth one. And then by the sixth one, I was like, just, just get it over, get it over with. with. Well, this is all no fun anymore so I think I'd have been, if I was having three I'd have walked out and been like oh wasn't so bad it was kind of interesting uh, well <laughs> anyway we survived that uh, the girl the interruption from the girl was at the treat the snack at VBS last night was a packaged brownie so probably mm-hmm. Little Debbie or something but it was individually wrapped in plastic packaging thin brownie with a thin layer of frosting and sprinkles on top and none of my kids were real impressed by it two of them didn't even finish it they just handed it off to someone else Lily said i wondered if it was gluten-free because it just had a weird not great texture and not great flavor and titus goes no i bet it was just cheap <laughs> and uh, I was not saying much. This was the driving home debrief as the kids are taking alternately exclaiming things loudly and fighting to be heard and yelling because it's late and they're exhausted and they're wired and it's just delightful to ride home with a car full of kids like that. But that's beside the point. I was just listening and kind of inwardly delighting. Like my kids are developing taste instead of just getting excited about sugary garbage they're like yeah that i'm not sure that that was worth the calories so elise was like i didn't really like it i handed it off to to another kid in my class who liked it and finished it and i don't think titus finished his either but so lily being the baking snob that she is says i'd like to try making a better one like that so that's what she's doing right now ah. i printed off a frosted brownie recipe because we are driving you guys tomorrow from here to Wyoming for my grandmother's funeral. Oh my God, she, she, she <laughs> what? <laughs> she she died in December, uh, but 
traveling to Laramie, Wyoming in December is not delightful and sometimes not possible and unpredictable. And her brother-in-law, my dad's uncle Joe, had died just like two weeks earlier. And so he was in Wyoming one week for for when she was passed away. And then the next week he flew to California for his uncle Joe's funeral and asking cousins and whatnot to come to Wyoming right after that and right before Christmas just seemed wildly unfeasible. So they decided to postpone everything until summer in Laramie, which it will be a high in the mid 60s and a low in the low 40s. That's awesome. While we're there. And so I'm telling the kids, bring a jacket, guys. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be chilly. Um, Hopefully that will help the mosquito situation though. Laramie I think I think our listeners would be interested in in um I don't know, kind of hearing about some of the differing ideologies among this side of this, your family, your dad's side of the family, it's regarding regarding the funeral, regarding life and oh, faith and. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm blasting people. You don't need to blast people, no. but we all. The reason I think about it is because I know a lot of people have the same similar situations issues and situations. In yeah. Life, you know? So, so my dad was not did not. Well, I would say he didn't grow up in a believing household, but he grew up going to a church, a mainline church that that didn't necessarily preach the gospel, but that did use traditional liturgy. And so there was always scripture involved and Book of Common Prayer sorts of things, which gets good stuff in your brain, even if you're not, or gets good stuff in a funeral, even if you're not actually a professing believer or you don't even know what that means, which is more likely. And uh, my parents became Christians after my brother and I were born. And uh, we've gradually made our way to, I guess, what we would consider more and more biblical churches. Um, and then he had one, I have a cousin who became a believer in college, and her family are Christians. And they live in Wyoming, and we have a delightful time when we visit them. And then her parents actually became Christians years later, probably while I was in college. And they are, they love the Lord and are very servant-hearted towards their church and things like that. But my dad has another brother who is very new agey, and he has three kids. And they're, I, I actually have not seen any of them since my grandfather's funeral which was when Titus was six months old so 12 years ago plus a couple of months and they're we had a delightful time with them at my grandpa's funeral they're very interesting people I think all three kids have PhDs in something agricultural like a particular strain of apple and then the two brothers make hard cider and market it and sell it and uh, my brother has had it and says it's fantastic. And the the girl cousin who is just slightly younger than I am, she she looks and carries herself like like a woman who would be a counterpart to Indiana Jones. Like <laughs> like blonde hair. It's a great way to dark play. skin, like super savvy in all the things outdoors. Like she worked on a ranch in the outback of Australia sometime during college and then wrote a novel about that season about that part of Australia that's super super rugged and all the rugged individualism that you have to have to survive in the Australia on a ranch. Isn't in the she Australia. an archaeologist? Uh I'm not sure. Because that's how she met her guy in Chile. She was doing something scientific, right? But it was like on the, on the what's the peninsula that comes down from yeah. California? I don't remember. I think she was doing some sort of research. She's super smart. Yeah, and she's got two two little girls who are, two little girls, two girls who are almost exactly the same age as our two middle daughters. Ah. And uh, I'm sure that they're just as savvy in all the outdoor things as as their mom is. So, uh, but they're, as far as I know, they, they're, they would be classic post-Christian. Their parents perhaps grew up knowing Christianity, but not embracing it and did nothing to introduce their kids to anything that has to do with the Christian worldview when 
they when they were growing up. And so uh, since that's such a part of my kids' lives, they it might be interesting for them to be interacting with cousins. So I think each of the brothers each has two kids that I've never met before. Because isn't your dad's youngest brother like really antagonist? Not antagonistic, but just very. He doesn't even want. He doesn't want anything like anything to do with it, any part of it. Um. Doesn't want to talk about it. Doesn't. I don't know about. Doesn't want to talk about it. Hmm. He um, he probably would not have been as comfortable as my dad and his other brother were playing hymns and things like that at my grandmother's bedside when Mm. when she was still alive and probably able to hear and understand things but not able to communicate so like the last two days of her life uh but because he was not there and it was just the two brothers and the one cousin who were christians that were present or coming and going from her bedside they were able to play all sorts of christian hymns and read her psalms and things like that without Without even the possibility of making another family member uncomfortable or having them not be interested in uh, having that be part of their mother or grandmother's departing Mm -hmm. environment, if you will. So that wasn't uh, that was an issue. It is she's having a Christian funeral because her longtime pastor, who is this is. (laughs) <laughs> makes me realize how old we're getting. She she was a college buddy of my dad's in an Episcopalian, became an Episcopalian priest. And she did, like, whenever we would visit, sometimes my dad would bump into her. She did my grandfather's funeral in 2011. And she has since retired, but she's coming out of retirement to do my grandmother's funeral because she's been around for so much of their lives. I mean... 70 years of their lives basically because she grew up with my dad and she sent my my dad and his older brother a list of bible verses to potentially choose from and it included some from a book called wisdom which is not proverbs it was not a it was a pretty lengthy passage and i didn't recognize it so i was like where is it apocryphal it must be but i didn't realize that episcopalians didn't use the same canon that we use maybe i don't know anyway uh so so it'll be it'll be an interesting funeral because it will be according to the episcopalian slash anglican book of church order which includes old testament reading new testament reading and a gospel reading and so we were able to choose those in a you know in a edifying slash evangelistic mindset as well as several hymns the episcopal shop.com has the saint john's bible wisdom books the fifth of seven volumes of the saint john's bible to be released includes some of the old testament's literary masterpieces such as song of solomon ecclesiastes and proverbs um as well as wisdom book continues so maybe it's the same one um it I don't know, but... I bet somebody out there who is smarter than we are or more connected than we are knows. So if anybody feels like explaining to us why the Book of Wisdom was included in possible scripture references from an Episcopalian Post it up in our Telegram group, which I'll give you guys a link for in the show notes for those of you that aren't part of our Telegram group. So anyway, speaking of our Telegram group, I now have a 12-year-old staring at me. Nope, he's just listening. He doesn't... Yes, I do. Eavesdropper, (laughs) go away. Go do something productive. Anyway, he... uh, In our Telegram group, I... um, Somebody responded to the comments about Samson and Gideon from our last one. And, you know, this, this idea that God used them... And they are far from exemplary models of faith. In fact, if you read their stories with a critically informed ear, they come off really poorly. Mm-hmm. And they're not the Bible heroes of children's stories that we necessarily make them out to be in children's Bibles. And yet, I think it was Alan 
pointed out something super interesting, which is that both Samson and Gideon are included in the Hebrews Hall of Faith. And they're not mentioned, they're mentioned at the tail end in the list of, and and what more, I'm just going to look it up really quickly so that I can read it more specifically or more accurately. So, you know, there's a huge paragraph on Abraham and Sarah and all of these things. And then he gets, the author of the Hebrews gets a little bit more uh, punchy in terms of listing people. So in verse 32, he says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And so... I have not thought this through thoroughly other than I've been mulling over the fact that, and the author of Hebrews isn't alone in this, there's, throughout the New Testament, there's this rereading of the Old Testament in redeemed terms. Yes. And this idea that Christ, in Christ, our story is rewritten. And we don't walk around with a mark of shame upon us for whatever that is. You know, for Samson, it was his constant, his being driven by the lust of the flesh just so deeply and his fickleness and his using. So one of the things that, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but when he when he uses the jawbone of the donkey to kill people or when he scoops honey out of the dead lion, he's violating very basic Jewish law, which is to not touch dead things because they're unclean. They make you ceremonially unpure and you can't stand before a holy God when you are ceremonially unclean. And so here he is just willy-nilly picking up dead things, digging around in dead things, and not a not a single care about how that makes him in terms of his relationship before a holy God. And then we have Gideon who's like, you know, I really shouldn't put the Lord my God to the test, but I'm going to do it again. And he just keeps <laughs> doing it. And... Uh, so they're, the more you understand about the stories, the worse they come off. And then you fast forward all the way to the book of Hebrews, and they're heroes of the faith. And it's not, there's, there's not a, there's not tension between those two things in God's mind, because in God's mind, all of his people are Samson and Gideon. <laughs> and... Uh, Barak, who refused to be brave and stand up and be a leader. And so Deborah says, you know, you're you're not going to get the glory for the victory in this What, do they, what do they call the kind of the modern the modern hero who's not really a good person? Like the anti-hero? Yeah. These are all kind of like anti-heroes. Maybe that's the precedent for our anti-hero fascination with culture today. Um, I mean, <laughs> kind of. I I actually think that the modern fascination with the anti-hero has more to do with a a fatalistic postmodern way of looking at the world that does not include this built-in deep satisfaction in a story that ends with happily ever after. I think that we're you know story good stories whether mm-hmm. it's ancient or modern whether it's fantasy, whether it's an epic, whether it's a 
you know, name your, whether it's a thriller, name your genre and name your time period in history. A good story has the same basic elements. And we are, I think we are built to crave stories that have those basic elements, which is, you know, it starts off good and then you have a problem and then it gets really bad and then you have a, you know, some sort of hero who's coming in and building it to resolution and then there's usually some sort of crisis right before the climax and then you get the climax of the story and then you get resolution. So... What's a little bit interesting, though, is the fact that some stories, even you might have all of those elements, but some are just not interesting. That's true. Or they've got flat characters. Like, I think that's... We don't need to get into storytelling, but I mean, humanity as we know it, and anybody who pays attention to it, I think everybody understands that everybody else is kind of pretty complex. Like, there's nothing's really cut and dried. It's a little more... Yeah, yeah. And that's certainly, I think that those those stories are self-selecting in terms of not self-selecting yeah. but you know when it all comes out in the wash we know which were the good stories and which weren't but but when i was probably late college so late 90s early 2000s that was when i was the most interested in indie films and things like that when I was an exchange student in Oxford, we actually lived down the street from a really cool movie theater that only did indie films. So we regularly saw movies that were extremely hard to source once we got back to the United States. <laughs> but... Um, Thanks, licensing. Well, I mean, it was just like, you know, Oxford, college, huge college town could afford to have a really niche theater mm-hmm. that was only showing things like that. But but there were a lot of movies, for some reason, I don't even rem- the the name Requiem for a Dream sticks in my brain. I know we watched that there. I don't remember the plot line at all. I remember it was super depressing. Yeah. I mean, there was lit- a rough scene towards the end, too. And, and it doesn't resolve, right? Mm-hmm. There's this whole spate of, especially indie movies, not too many of them made it big time in a traditional Hollywood studio, but... Where it was trendy and cool to end a movie in a way that did not resolve. My first one, it wasn't the resolve part, but it's when the the good the bat my first the bad guy wins at the end of the movie was my first. This whole movie, you're kind of rooting for this one guy, and at the very end, he loses, and there's no follow up. And it was Denzel Washington's The Fallen, um, and he Denzel loses to a. You know, basically to a demon, um, and you're just like, "What? Well, that's that's it?" Yeah, and you expect at least some sort of twist. Like, uh, I'm sorry if you have not seen or read the Harry Potter books yet. I if if you haven't by this time and you're our age, I'm sorry, but I'm going to spoil it for you because you're not going to. <laughs> but you, you missed out. You know, well, <laughs> I mean, the you know. Well, I won't, I, I'll say this in a way that isn't a total spoiler. But it, towards the end of several of the later books, characters that you love die. And or characters that you have hated for book upon book now turn out to be mm, not so bad. Or characters that you have trusted turn out to be bad. Or there's, there's that <clears throat> offer of redemption yeah. for people who were genuinely bad. And and all of that, though, works within this framework that honestly follows a biblical storyline, you know, where the good guy Judas turns out to be a bad guy and betrays, and then the really good guy Jesus that you've been rooting for and you think all, he's going to do all these wonderful things, he dies. But that's the dip before the real climax and then the resolution, however you want to look at it. You know, is the resolution when he goes to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit, or is the resolution a long time after that? And then all these bad guys in the Old Testament who we weren't really rooting for, or were kind of rooting for, disobeyed God. They turn out to be like men of the faith, and they're the antihero. Well, they weren't. They weren't bad guys in the Old Testament because they were instruments of redemption in the Old Testament in spite of themselves. But it turns out that that that's that's what the life of faith is about, right? That you're used in God's hand in spite of yourself, and then somehow your 
your role in that is celebrated as a form of faith, even as God gets the glory because he's working good things in spite of bad circumstances and in spite of really, really weak, inept, and unfaithful people. And then because of the beauty of his grace and of redemption, he then shares his glory with those people and elevates them to a status of saint. Which, you know, not saint Which, in you the know, Catholic sense. He, but, but he does that, that's kind of just the reflection of the whole gospel story. He does that to us, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I, I guess I've been thinking a little bit this week, probably most of my Godward thoughts for the week have been centered on thinking about how does that change how we think about ourselves and each other and our children and our struggles in this kind of stinky world. I mean, I bumped into a friend in the grocery store and she was giving me this litany of things that had happened to their family to the point where one of her kids asked her if he if she thought their family was cursed (laughs) and she was like wow no (laughs) we are under god's good care he's letting hard things happen to us because we live in a world filled with hard things and that doesn't mean that that his good hand has been lifted from us but we do live in a world full of hard things. The cousin that we're going to be seeing, that who is a believer, I texted her to ask if we could park our van in the driveway on our drive on our way down, and asked how she'd been, and she just sent me this. I mean, it was like blow after blow. Husband's in the hospital and having to call nine one one two twice at the school she works with because of things, and then being out on a hike with fifth graders in the mountains of Wyoming and having a tornado warning and nowhere to seek shelter, and and then there two days ago, Jr. Laramie got heavy rain, and hers and her parents. Basements or window wells flooded. Uh. They, ba- they, I don't know if the basements flooded, but they were bailing water out of window wells, like two days ago. You guys, we haven't mentioned this, but this last week we've had we had six, six. I think my dad said at the end of the day it was six and three quarters of an inch of rain in forty eight hours, maybe thirty six. Uh, it was closer to it was Thursday night through Saturday. Yeah. Thursday, so, Friday, Saturday. 24, 48, so, plus another 12. 60 hours? 60 hours. 72 at the most. Yeah. So, six and three quarters. And needless to say, I've, I have never in my life, um, in Montana, where we live, seen this much flooding. Like, there were ponds and lakes in everybody's yard. Molly's dad, um, their, her parents' house had two rooms flood. Three. Oh yeah, three, three one, rooms. One one day, and then they discovered the other. Yeah, as we were, we were tearing out, I went over with uh, my buddy and tore out, um, tore out carpet and stuff, and got everything kind of drying out, and then found the other room and did that. So it's just been, and then, uh, you know, so you're yes, this friend, and then we have another friend whose husband got his hand crushed, then shot himself with a nail gun, and just a variety of things, and then we have some other friends who are on their way to uh, Hawaii for their first marital... anniversary. First time getting away without the kids ever. Their whole basement was under two feet of water. And, you know, we've had... Oh, I feel like we've been just... I mean, somebody under just a lot of pressure and just getting hit from multiple sides as well. Not necessarily medical, but emotional, relational... Just all you know, all the things, life things, and and yet I look at that and I'm like, wow, we're you know, we're all we're all. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day they're like, I'm really thinking like Christians are under attack right now. Like it just seems like it was um, Thomas on our on our. Oh yeah, yeah. And Thomas was going through some crap, yeah. so it's like there is there does seem to be a little bit of an epidemic. It does feel worse. For quite a few of us right now, I feel yeah, like it feels worse for us, the norm, worse than normal. If if there was a normal baseline, we're way worse. Our friends' normal baseline, they're way worse. There's just a lot going on, and I, you know, and it's. Uh... But here's the deal. Here's <laughs> here's what's so here's what's so delightful 
and I don't mean delightful in a in a shallow way, but in in being a student of history, as I have had to become in going through just in teaching our kids, you know, working my way, we started with creation and now we've made our way to about just before the American Civil War and and then being a student of the Bible. So you see God's people suffering. I mean, listen to the list of of what God's people went through in the book of Hebrews. Uh, they uh, were escaped the edge of the sword. They were fighting off foreign armies. They were receiving people back from the dead, which means people had died. They were tortured. They were flogged and mocked. They were chained. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute, afflicted, mistreated, wandering around in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of that, you know, Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press, which is basically a cave. And the reason he's doing that is because anytime there's a visible display of actually having food, the, I believe it was the Midianites, would come in and steal it. And so Gideon and his family and his clan and basically all of Israel were starving because their conquerors are described as a swarm of locusts. And going back to my love of Little House on the Prairie, when the locust swarm came into them, they literally consumed everything that was green within a span of hours. So these invaders are coming in and they're consuming everything that the Israelites would possibly have that was of value within, you know, every time, every time a harvest season shows up. And so Gideon is hiding out, threshing out some poor harvest of wheat that he's managed to squirrel away. First of all, he's not exactly the picture of bravery, but second of all, maybe he has to do that in order to actually have something for himself and his family to eat. So they're not living easy lives. And again, this, this God has not promised us an easy life here, but what they're doing then is they don't have Christ and they don't Mm -hmm. have, and as we discussed last week as well, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them, giving them hope, giving them the power to actually live by faith in a more concrete way, because we we're living by faith, not by sight, but we've got a whole lot more knowledge about how God is working to rescue his people than Gideon and Samson and Barak had back then. And so, yes, I agree with you. It seems like more friends and family in our lives have just thing after thing happening to them. And it's, But I don't think it's just Christians, because my parents next door neighbors aren't Christians. And they have had... Oh, man, yeah. They, they've just had hit after hit after hit coming to them in terms of house stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. They had disaster restoration in their house because I can't remember the exact story, but some pipe or washing machine thing broke and flooded the basement and then they got that fixed and then something else went wrong right away and they had disaster restoration going in their house again. And then I don't know if their house flooded with at the same time that my parents did. It did. But they took pictures of their daughters paddleboarding on the street in front dad, of their house. And your dad put out a no wake zone sign in the in, yard. In their yard. So it seems oh, like the chances funny. are really good that they're on round three of disaster restoration in their basement in the span of, what, three months, maybe? I, I feel, so it's not just Christians. Yeah. Life is just really, really hard. I feel like it's also, like, in the midst of this, I'm, you know, somewhat related to your... Um, kind of your God-centric thoughts. I've been pondering what you we have talked about. We spent some time, you guys, we broke the rules when we were driving to Bozeman. Molly and I spent some time talking about fun things. We broke the um, rules. <laughs> we try to save those for the show. Um, but, you know, I think you'd mentioned, to you know, I was kind of reflecting on feeling a little bit um, like there's no place for me, like at church, and I'm kind of in this limbo seems like I'm feeling like I'm in a little bit in this limbo period. And you, you made the comment that God probably has me in transition and then I just need to keep, you know, probably just focusing on he's the person I trust. Well, he's what I need. And um, 
those sorts of things. And I had the same... Not just transition, though. Like, my specific metaphor is... Was Jesus saying, unless a seed falls to the ground and right. dies, it can't grow. So, <clears throat> the transition is the seed lying in the ground feeling dead. <laughs> you know, Which... Just right. waiting for God to to act yeah, and exactly. bring up I'm something in a period of, new. I'm in a period of a place, that place. And... Um, and I was actually funny enough. I was explaining that same thing to Elizabeth yesterday. We were talking about something related to VBS. Um, VBS for us has been a little bit of a struggle this year, and partially because the kids are older now, partially because it's just a different VBS, different church, different things. Um, but you know, I was telling her again that there was, it was, and it was also related to some of the friendship thing. I said, you know, you you're probably a little bit like me right now. God wants you to be focusing on Him and Him being the source of your joy and happiness and your trust and everything else. And, you know, along those lines, with all of that stuff going on and the world being hard, there's these, you know, you just have to find those little moments of joy, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. there's little glimpses. They're not wholly refreshing, but they're just little breaks. I've been really enjoying sitting on our patio. Um, in the evening after dinner and looking west towards the sunset. It's just beautiful out there at night, just sitting there. No books, no Kindles, just me and my tea or whatever, you know, just sitting there. And, um, you know, being able to have squirrel away a few hours here in the studio has just been super refreshing. So if you guys have those moments, those things you love to do, find time to squeeze them in and, and cherish those moments where, you know, you're not getting... Uh, full frontal assaulted immediately by something and you have you have a breather where you can enjoy some time with some friends and I think yeah I feel like there's there's two angles with that that you have to take simultaneously like like taking walking with your left foot and your right foot you can't just say I'm going to survive on these moments of pleasure right you have to also say this this challenge is designed to grow me to I need to mm-hmm. find points of growth so like with Elizabeth and the friend thing I know that at least one other girl in her VBS class is having similar times of feeling lonely and isolated and I don't want to call her out to Elizabeth but I was like hey you know maybe this maybe if you're sitting waiting for everything to start or you're feeling lonely you could ask that girl questions about herself or you could, you know, she's not part of the super in crowd that that Elizabeth is feeling isolated from. So which are girls who've all grown up together and go to school together and whatnot. So maybe you could um, ask her if she likes to play, you know, would you rather? And just while you're sitting there in transition, would you rather, you know, I was like, maybe don't do what our fa- our family's would you rather's. You guys always devolve into, would you rather eat poop or drink pee? Would you rather have the bunny <laughs> fart in your face Every or the dog time. fart in your face? We we cannot do a clean would you rather. But I was like, I mean, the gimme is would you rather go to the mountains or the beach? You know, would you rather eat chocolate or apple pie? And, you know, that gives you a hook for just engaging someone in friendly conversation that's really low pressure. But you can't just sit there and feel miserable. You need to look outside of yourself and you need to take action. And, um, you know, I think in all of our our ways in life that are where life is challenging and life is hard, we can't just retreat into pleasure seeking which I know is not what you were saying. You were, what right. you're saying is to to seek gratitude and uh, you know not all of life is something that we can necessarily feel great about, but to contentment can be. I mean, but I do believe that God gives us these little things to survive. Yes, I do. I, <laughs> I, I agree with you. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and it's so easy to and even in seeing those little things. That's that's a striving. Yeah. In a sense, where you're striving to be grateful, you're striving for contentment, you're striving to uh, delight in the good and recognize the good that God right. has given to you. And so, you know, all of the Christian life is, what is it? There, there was a, there's a phrase where it's rest, restful striving. 
And so you're resting in God's grace, but you're not sitting on your heels. Mm -hmm. You never get to just sit on your heels in this life. No. And I think part of why God lets it keep being so hard for us is because the minute we sit back on our heels is the minute we get self-indulgent and self-reliant and we forget God. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway. um, Don't forget God in the midst of anything. The good or the bad. It's true. Um. I want to throw out one more quick thing. Mm-hmm. The So last week, I can't remember at what point last week, maybe Wednesday, Titus showed up in our room. You weren't there, which is why I think it was Wednesday, because you were at your, maybe at your morning Bible study. And he goes, I solved the Rubik's Cube. Oh, man. And he was grinning with delight. And then he kind of abashedly goes... But I need to get on the iPad and look the algorithm up again because it wasn't supposed to be solved with what I did. (laughs) So I think I wrote the algorithm wrong and then I messed up while I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do and I solved the Rubik's Cube. But now I need to look up the video and actually get it right. You guys, Titus has spent, um, was he sick or was it, what, what, what was the precipitating event? For him getting the Rubik's Cube? For him deciding to sit down and learn it. So we went to we went to dinner at some people's from our new church house and their son who is Titus's age had a Rubik's cube that he solved in like 30 seconds in front of Titus and Titus was like I didn't even know that was possible. So and it just piqued his interest which there are not a ton of things that he has gotten an interest in and then really sticks with. And he really wanted to tackle this challenge. And so I actually gave him time during school. And I will send you this video link, JR, that you can post up there. But the mom of this boy sent me a video that her son had used. And apparently it's this whole algorithm that you you memorize in phases and you practice. And so Titus remembered this more clearly than I did. We gave him, we... Gave him a Rubik's Cube for Valentine's Day. I got each kid a game of some sort. And he got a Rubik's Cube February 14th. And almost so, this is early June. So February to March, March to April, April to May. Three and a half months later. He's he's gone in phases and working on it. He was mm-hmm. really dedicated at first. And then he forgot to bring it to the DR. He wished he had because he would have had tons of time tons to sit time. and yeah. review the video and practice it. But he would just sit and fiddle, and then he'd hand it to Faith to mess it up. And then uh, you, the algorithm gets you to do different sides. So the white side would be solved, and then the yellow side would be solved. And then he kind of stalled out for a while, and then he picked it up again. And uh, just you know, three months later, he can solve a Rubik's Cube. And he has this, I think what is most fun to me, well, there's two things. One is just seeing him be so satisfied having achieved something that he really had to set his mind to and work toward. It wasn't like you watch a YouTube video and you can follow along with it and fix and and solve this. Because every time somebody screws the Rubik's Cube up, it's different and it actually requires an algorithm, not just a certain set of steps that you can copy someone on YouTube doing. So he really set his mind to it and he's so feels so accomplished. It's I think it's just such a great milestone in his development. The other interesting thing is we had dinner then on Friday night at some friend's house and their oldest is has just completed kindergarten. This was pretty cool. It was it was really cute. This so he has a Rubik's cube just sitting around in their house, and Titus, who's now solved it two days ago for the first time, and is still in the thrill of I can do this every time, almost every <laughs> time, and picks it up and fiddles with it, and a minute later has it solved. Yeah. And this kid is just awestruck, and. <laughs> Ty, I, I, I could picture exactly what was going on in his kid's mind because Titus was like this when he was little. And you see an older boy 
who just has this Titus has long thick brown hair like down to it's past his shoulders now and he's into biking and so he's always wearing biking shorts not like spandex biking shorts but and you know so so this kid sees Titus as older and as cool and kind of admires him anyway and then about every 10 minutes for the whole night we were there what two and a half hours messes the Rubik's Cube up and hands it back to Titus to solve. And Titus is getting pretty tired of it. But I was like, look, this is a way for you to engage with a younger kid and to be kind and encouraging in the same way that you have had older boys be be so kind to you and invest their energy and their kindness in you when you were that age and you saw older guys as bigger and cooler. And so I think in, he that did kind of click for him, that he recognized, wow, mm. I'm now the older kid who has this admirable skill that uh, has endeared this one little kid to me. And in fact, he's Titus is a group leader for VBS, which basically means they have middle school boys and girls in charge of leading groups from station to station. So Titus is in charge of the pre-K and the kindergarten and this little boy is in the group that Titus is leading and he's like we sat down for the for the music and mission section and this little boy made somebody scoot over so he could sit next to me and then he whispers to them he can solve Rubik's cubes you know I'm sure Titus's head grew a couple sizes then but he also recognized like this is a special power I have in a sense over this kid's view of me and his view of older mm-hmm. older boys and I need to steward that well and I can really bless this kid by by just literally just acknowledging him and being kind to him it doesn't take that much truthfully so um just kind of two cool things in the parenting world yeah. that we don't always feel like <clears throat> we're hitting home runs in fact usually we don't feel like we're hitting home runs but this at least was was an earned I'm, I'm, I don't know my baseball analogies. It was an earned at bat. Well, and Lily, Lily's <laughs> been bugging me. She really wants to do a Bible study with me. So um, I've got to think through what that would be and a good idea. So if any of you guys have ideas for father-daughter Bible studies, let me know. I'm all here. I also need to do the the puberty study that I bought for me myself yeah. to do with Lily. I, I was hoping to do it this summer. It's like eight one hour video I just sessions. In, I just like having manly conversations with Tito and giving him the whole like just kind of making awkward like he seems to do well with that. The though. other night <laughs> the other night at dinner I don't know where you were he he like did this and he was wearing a shirt that he'd cut the sleeves off mm-hmm. of because you guys were all out working on the shop without sleeves and Faith goes oh, you have hair in your armpits and the other girls started kind of squealing and he got really self-conscious. He just walked around the corner and looked at me. I think he's been eavesdropping again. Good. So anyway, I will have JR post the link to the Rubik's Cube video in yeah. case anybody else has a kid who might want to get into that because um, it's it's really fun to see the satisfaction after all that hard work of of really genuinely working hard on it. Yeah. Oh, man. Um... I don't have anything else. I've got all things, sorts of things I could say, but I'm not ready to say them or don't need to say them. Okay. Anything for you? No. Okay. Nope. Guys, if you want to join the conversation or give us any feedback or let us know what's going on, um, you can do so on our website, www.toobusytoflush.com, all grammatically for, correct, or TB, the number 2F, TB2F.com. You can also find us on Instagram if you choose to give us a follow. We're not on there very much. Well, I take that back. We do the classic meme sharing thing between husband and wife, but um, in terms of actually posting like brand centric content on Too Busy to Flush, doesn't really happen. So we're there though. If you want to give us a follow, go for it. Um, the number one way people do love to get a hold of us though is through Telegram. Our Telegram, we have a private Telegram chat group. If you're interested in that, the link will be in the show notes. You can click that. And then also in the show notes, um, I've got a time-stamped, um, I forgot to mention this being the show, full time-stamped kind of address book uh, if you want to know what we talk about and when. Um, it's not quite as, I left it kind of more broad today, so it's not quite as detailed as it has been in the past. But 
such his life. And with that, Lord willing, we will see you guys next week. <laughs> is that a question, babe? Yes, it absolutely is. This is a week to week, babe.